With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What we need is more common sense. More common sense. We've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where is talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by Viewin.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. All right, we made it to Thursday. Welcome to the show. Glad to have you out there today. I'm Jimmy Barrett. You are not. <laughs> That's the old joke. And aren't you glad you're not, by the way? Um, glad you could join us here today. Uh, we got a lot of things to cover, a lot of ground to cover. We're going to do a little you know, little energy talk at various different times today. What, what really has energy on my mind is um, my morning show partner um, told me how much her electric bill was. She just got her latest electric bill because, you know, the weather's been so hot. And... Um, it was literally more than twice what my electric bill was. And, um, I think, I think in her case, I think she, she, first of all, she's an extremely loyal person, especially the Texas companies. Uh, so I don't think she's, I don't know that she's ever changed her electric provider while I, on the other hand, am a slave to saving money, at least as it relates to electricity. Um, so I'm constantly... Um, checking for better deals, and and I can I'm glad I did that. Now, when I first moved to Texas, I I really didn't you know I really didn't get the whole choose your electric provider thing because I came from Virginia, where we didn't have that in Virginia. You you had your, your power came from Dominion, Virginia, um, and that was it. It was a, mon- a monopoly, and one of the most frustrating monopolies I ever dealt with. In fact, the most trouble. Have I ever told this story before? I don't know that I have. Um, the most trouble I ever got in in my radio career, and, and trust me, I, I rarely have ever gotten into trouble. I'm Mr. Straight and Narrow. I've never been arrested. I've never come close to being arrested. <laughs> I'm scared to death of being arrested. I'm not a troublemaker by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I'll stand up for my rights, and I'll, and I'll have plenty to say, but I am not the kind of person who sticks his neck out there as far as you know getting into legal trouble. So um, we used to lose our power all the time. At, at our house, and we didn't have a generator. At, this is at our house in Virginia. We used to lose our power all the time, and we got frustrated. I mean, really, really frustrated. And we lived on a cul-de-sac in a neighborhood. I'd say there's probably three or 400 homes in the neighborhood. And our little cul-de-sac, evidently, was on a different, different line than the rest of the neighborhood. And whenever the power would go out for the entire neighborhood... We were always the last ones on the cul-de-sac. We were always the last ones to get our power back. And then there'd be other times where there's absolutely nothing going on with the weather and we'd lose our power for no no real explanation. You know, like, I don't know, what happened? Did a squirrel walk across the wire? What happened? Why did we lose our power? Wasn't any storms? Wasn't any logical reason? No high winds? Why did it happen? So it, it, it got to the point where it was happening all the time. And it got frustrating. 
And and one morning, you know, I'm driving to work, and as I'm getting ready to leave the house, the power goes out, and I can hear my wife muttering in the back in the, in the background in the bedroom. And so between the time I left the house to go to work, um, she evidently got a hold of Dominion Virginia, the power company, uh, about the outage. And so she called and she left a message on my voicemail at work that I listened to as soon as I got to work. And you'd have to know my wife. She's very animated. Um, she is, she's Sicilian. Have I mentioned that? She's Sicilian. You know, so her, heart, her heart is out there on her sleeve. And she, she, she calls it the way she sees it. And anyway, she starts off so sweet. Hi, honey. I just wanted you to know that I called Dominion, Virginia, and um, they said the power will be back in about um, an hour and a half. And if that power, and then she starts to change, and if that power isn't back in an hour and a half, I'm going to go down there and burn the place down. Of course, she didn't mean it. I found it funny. I thought it was hilarious. Wow, look what Dominion, Virginia, look what you've done to my wife, my sweet wife. Look what you've done to her. You've driven her insane by not fixing the problem. Oh, I, sh- I should have mentioned, too, that we had somebody working for the company in our neighborhood, and I-, I-, I asked him, why do we keep losing our power all the time? He said, well, you're on this old circuit. Uh, there's only a few houses on it, and it's about a $5,000 fix, and they don't want to spend the money. Okay, that got me a little agitated for the next time the power went out. You don't want to spend $5,000 fixing the problem. That drove me crazy. So I put her phone call on the air. You know, the one where we, she went from zero to outrageous in about 3.5 seconds. And I played it like every hour. And I just said with them, please, I'm begging you, please, Fix the problem so I don't have to go home to this again. And anyway, before the end of the show, some attorney shows up at the front desk of the radio station with a cease and desist <laughs> and, and, and made the claim, I don't know if it's true or not, but made the claim that some of their employees had heard it and were afraid to come to work because they were afraid that my wife was actually going to burn the place down which, of course, she was never going to do. And in the spirit of how it was presented on the air, it wasn't a real threat. But, you know, if you got attorneys and you want to shut somebody up, you can make a claim that it's a real threat. And in retrospect, I, I get it. Shouldn't have done it. Um, but that's how frustrated I can get over electricity, that I was willing to do that. Hopefully we won't deal with that. I heard, by the way, I, I saw a report. It was on an Austin TV station um, that claims that the executive director um, of, of our power grid here in, in Texas um, is making a guarantee, and I'll share the audio with you a little later this hour, a guarantee that we will not lose our power. You will not lose your power this summer, he says. Okay, I'm going to take him up on that. But don't worry, no, I'm not going to threaten anybody. Anyway, quick little break. Back with more in a moment. Jimmy Parrott Show here on AM 950 KPRC. Most beautiful thoughts are always besides the darkest.
Today I seriously thought about killing you. I contemplated, premeditated murder. And I think about killing myself, and I love myself way more than I love you, so. Wow. That's pretty dark. Today I thought about killing you. It's really dark. But you know what's even darker? What's going on in Washington, D.C. as it relates to the Supreme Court of the United States. I did note, uh, this is a little update from this morning's show, that Nancy Pelosi, let me find that story for you. Nancy Pelosi says the House will vote next week to boost security for SCOTUS families. Um, The story, which comes from The Hill, says the House will vote next week on legislation to expand security for the families and staff of the Supreme Court justices. The Senate approved the legislation unanimously last month, and House Republicans have fumed that House Democrats have delayed the vote in the lower chamber. Um, Now I think their hand has been forced because of the arrest we told you about yesterday. Um, Yesterday morning at about 1.50 in the morning, they arrested a man uh, from California. Well, he had a California driver's license, originally from Seattle, Washington. I know his name, but like anybody else who would like notoriety for committing a murder or threatening to commit a murder, I'm not going to share his name. Um, 26 years old. He had a gun. He had ammunition. And he told the police he was there to kill Brett Kavanaugh. Now, seems to me that maybe he would have been able to, I, mean, I don't know that anybody could have stopped him or would have stopped him if he really wanted to commit the crime. So maybe it was more about getting the attention than it was about committing the crime. I don't know. But at any rate, he's been arrested, and the protesting continues outside of the homes of Supreme Court justices. Now, groups have given out the home addresses of all the Supreme Court justices, so they're very easy to find. We're not going to... um, We're not going to solve our nation's problems by threatening to kill Supreme Court justices because we don't agree with how they interpret the law. But evidently, that's the point that we're at. At least with some people, they're willing to do this. Uh, Andy McCarthy, who um, was a former U.S. attorney, um, here he is on Fox last night talking about why now. Why, why are these extreme threats coming in right now? You know, they understand, because the law has not been enforced, that there's not sufficient security at the homes of the Supreme Court justices uh, to the point that they're flaunting it. I mean, they know that they can you know, carry out the kind of uh, demonstrations that we've seen, and they do it with impunity. The Justice Department hasn't, uh, hasn't enforced the law. And now, apparently, the case has been moved from the state authorities to the federal authorities. I'll be interested to see what charge they bring in this case. But the fact of the matter is, at any point since the leak came out, the leaked opinion came out, and these demonstrations started, the Justice Department could have conveyed a strong message to the public that it was protecting the Supreme Court justices, their families, and their homes by simply enforcing the law that's on the books. And they continue to say that, you know, what they're against is violence and what they're worried about is violence. Well, if you allow this to simmer the way they've allowed it to simmer, you're asking for violence, and we almost got it today. Yes, and and, and think about this. The same Department of Justice is willing to call school board parents, I mean parents who go to school board meetings to complain, domestic terrorists. 
They're willing to investigate them like domestic terrorists. Yet we're not willing to take a look at an actual terrorist, prevent an actual terrorist attack against members of the Supreme Court. (laughs) I mean, this, this pretty obviously wrong. We'll see. We'll see if the House ends up passing this. Uh, of course, if I'm, uh, you know, Brett Kavanaugh, it, I, my family's not there anymore. Uh, I've moved them somewhere else. They're going to they're gonna have to be somewhere safe at this point in time. And, and as I predicted, I think, yesterday, and I'll predict again today if you didn't hear it, um, I wouldn't look for any Supreme Court decision on the uh, the abortion law until the very end of the session so that they can they can make sure that they're you know they're not in their homes they're wherever they're going to be for a few months while this whole thing dies down not not that it's going to die down quickly because i think it's pretty safe to say there's going to be violence once this verdict is issued if it is if it strikes down a uh, roe v wade there will be violence and my guess is there'll be very little the current administration will do about it because those are many of their supporters right there all right. Also, Rand Paul had a thought or two. Now, Senator Rand Paul knows a little something about this. He was remember remember when he got attacked by his neighbor, he has a neighbor who's uh, who's on the left, and um, and I think what 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 happened there, you know, first of all, Rand Paul got attacked from behind, and he and his neighbor didn't get along. There was some sort of a property line dispute, but that was a that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Because it was politics. The neighbor really hated Rand Paul's politics more than anything else, which kind of led to all the other things that happened. Here's what Senator Rand Paul said yesterday about threats against the Supreme Court of the United States. As a victim of politically motivated violence, I'm particularly sensitive to this. I've been speaking out since the beginning. I've been saying that it's dangerous for our justices, that we shouldn't be allowing crowds to, you know, disrupt the public and be there at nighttime making noise. They should be arrested for disorderly uh, conduct and they should be removed. But the thing is, is the White House now steps up and says, well, you know, we don't want to intimidate the justices. But the White House has steadfastly refused to condemn people outside of their houses. That's not peaceful protest. That is uh, ginning up and encouraging and intimidating the justices, and it should not be allowed. If you want to stand in front of the Supreme Court, you can do that. But you are, it is not part of the First Amendment to be in a neighborhood keeping the neighbors awake. And then some of the neighbors of the justices were getting involved. How do you think they're going to feel when there's mayhem in the streets? Do you think any justice is going to go home when this is released? The justices won't be able to go home for months. So they're going to have to flee to other parts of the country. And that's a sad day. But the Biden administration has really refused to have a full-throated condemnation of the people gathering outside the justices' houses. Not even close. I mean, everything they have said is sympathetic to the protesters, sympathetic to the people who are threatening the Supreme Court. Well, we understand how they feel. Well, how about condemning what they're willing to do? You can understand how they feel if you want to, but how about condemning what it is they're doing? Can't you do both? No, I guess you can't. At least they don't think they can. Uh, One more for you, too. Same topic. Jesse Waters on his show last night on Fox talking about Democrats encouraging threats to the Supreme Court. By the left's own standards, Judge, Schumer should be impeached. We should have a commission, like a January 6th commission, because remember what they said about the president. Remember January 6th, he said, go on and fight in March. Didn't say anything, but they said that was insightful and that he should be brought up on criminal incitement charges. So 
from what Schumer said and from what Saki didn't say by giving it license to show up at the homes by his inaction, the attorney general, and this Ruth sent us group that yep. still tonight published the address of Kavanaugh online and maintains that they will be outside his door again after all of this. So there needs to be investigation. We need to connect the dots. We need to follow the money and we need to subpoena everybody and find out exactly what they really believe uh, under under oath. This is the difference between what Schumer said and anything else. These guys have appointments for life on the court. Right. When he says you won't know what hit you and you will pay the price. What is that supposed to mean if you're going to be on the court for the rest of your life? They're not a politician. They're not a, a governor or a senator. You can't take them out of office. What does pay the price mean? What possibly could you do to a sitting U.S. justice? That leaves a lot of questions. Well, you could assassinate them, which was evidently part of this guy's plan. You know, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Or, or in the case of the political part of it, pack the court, which I'm sure is what is going to be coming. This, this will, if, if the Supreme Court decision is to reverse Roe v. Wade, I can assure you there will be attempts to pack the court, and there'll be attempts immediately to pack the court because we have an election coming in November, and the landscape in in the House and the Senate could very well be changing. So this would be perhaps their only chance to try to do that? Probably so. All right. Uh, we're going to talk a little about energy and uh, some truth about electric energy, electric cars in particular, coming up next. Jimmy Parrott Show here on AM 950 KPRC. Yes, electric. Everybody wants to be electric. They, well, not everybody. I, I'm not really that uh, down on electric uh, cars right now because um, I don't know if you saw Carl Rove on Fox, but he did a price comparison between um, an electric car which, with an average price of $56,000 and a, a compact SUV with an average price of $31,000 that runs on gasoline. And you put all the costs together, especially now with the high cost of electric, in addition to the high cost, of ga- uh, high cost of gasoline. And the difference in favor of the electric vehicle was minuscule. Minuscule. Plus all the inconvenience. Uh, here to talk about whether this... But, oh, by the way, you, you feel yet like you might be living in a soon-to-be third-world country. Gas prices are through the roof. Inflation is through the roof. We're being warned about possible rolling brownouts and blackouts for the summer months and hurricane season. Your dollar is worth less than it ever has been in recent history. Uh, yeah, we're getting real close to, if you want to know what it feels like to live in a third world country, we're getting close. Larry Behrens joins us to talk about it. Uh, Larry, of course, uh, writes a lot of op-eds at townhall.com, energy expert and communications director for Power of the Future. How are you doing, Larry? Hey, I'm doing great today. How are you doing? Doing fine, thank you, for a guy who's paying. Of course, I'm not complaining. I live in Texas, $4.00. 45 cents a gallon. That's pretty much a bargain right now, don't you think? 
Uh, it, it's sad that we live in a world right now where it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's a bargain. I feel lucky to be paying that. You know, it is. Uh, I don't like this new normal uh, one iota. So uh, we know how to fix the problem, and we know we have an administration that has no interest in fixing the problem. So what do we do about it? Well, you, you just laid it all out right there, right? Everyone knows how to fix this problem. And that's why, I, you know, that's why I think the president's um, approval rating is the lowest it's been between approval and disapproval since he took office. We all know, particularly in Houston, we, we know what to do to fix this, and the president just won't lift a finger to do it. He'll lift a finger to help the Chinese solar industry. He'll lift a finger to help the electric vehicle industry. But as you pointed out, it is nothing to do to help you know the folks, the men and women who want to get back to work there in West Texas or in southeast New Mexico or any other place in the United States where they produce America's energy in a cleaner uh, way and in a better way than anywhere else in the world, and he just won't do it. And so the very long-winded answer to your question is because he's beholden to an ideology. It's not unlike a doomsday cult where they say, hey, this is what it's supposed to be like, and it doesn't matter how much people get hurt. Okay. Um, If you take a look at the possibility of rolling blackouts, you know, here in Texas, you you may recall, I think it was two years ago, two years ago in February, when we had uh, the big freeze that happened here, we had a, a, a you know polar vortex worked its way all the way down into the middle of Texas, and uh, we had snow in the northern part of the state up around Dallas. We had uh, a, you know fuel lines freezing. Um, we we lost power. Uh, some people lost power for four or five days. I lost power at my house for four or five days. Luckily for me, I have a generator, so I was able to keep things going. But for people who didn't, we had people who literally froze to death and my guess is if we have something along those lines that happens this summer wherever it may be we'll have people who will bake to death uh, in the heat um so why are we looking do you think at at rolling blackouts why are are the power companies in a variety of different states just not ready when things get a little hot uh, that's a great question. It's really simple. And, and Texas was really the, the first state to kind of uh, experience it in the way that I think the rest of the country is going to feel it. Because, uh, yes, California had blackouts. But what has happened in Texas is there's been massive incentive to go in one direction to unreliable energy. When I say unreliable, I mean wind and solar. Energy that doesn't work all the time and especially doesn't work when you need it. And so it wasn't a, a conscientious choice to say, oh, we hate this because of the green movement and we love that it was oh look the government's you know uh uh propping up one type of energy let's go the way that the government's propping it up and in the meantime the reliable and affordable uh types of energy natural gas and coal well those workers trickle away they leave the facilities that turn that um natural resource into power they become a little more run down and you can't just start it back up on the the switch of a dime and so when the, the, you know, I won't say the word, but when we know what hits the fan, you can't just turn around and say, okay, let's turn up the natural gas plants again. No, it's deteriorated to the point where you can't turn it around really quickly. And so the United States is looking at that as a whole. We've seen massive amounts of reliable power plants shut down. You know, I live next door 
in New Mexico, and they're getting ready to shut down a coal-fired plant that provided, you know, over half the power to the state. And every environmental group is cheering and is happy. Well, now they decided, you know, let's uh, let's keep it a little open a little longer because even radical environmentalists are addicted to, you know, uh, air conditioning and hot water in the shower. And so it is a really just um, uh, it was a slow kind of tsunami of ignorance. And uh, being propped up for the wrong types of energy by the federal government, starting in the Obama administration. And now it has really come home to roost because demand is not going down. It is only going up. More people, they want the same amount of energy that they've always been used to, and there's less and less reliable sources of it. And so it used to be states like California could look to other states and say, hey, let me buy some energy from you. And the worst part is they'd have to pay a huge premium price to do it. But now every state has gone down that road almost. And they're starting to look at, like, we don't have any power to sell anybody else. In fact, we're going to be asking for more power, and we just can't import anymore. And so it is, you know, it, it is a pathetic situation. And your description of a third-world country is exactly right. I mean, how quickly did this happen in the sense that we have a man in office been there? He's not even halfway through his first term yet. Gas is where it is. We're looking at brownouts. And, I'll, you know, and I'm sure you know, too, the store shelves are empty of a lot of products. It is really hard to try to see where America is not turning into a third world country. And it all, I mean, everyone in Houston knows this. It is all with energy. That is at the root of yeah. our um, supply problems. That's at the root of our inflation problems. And that's at the root at, of our problems at the pump. Well, things got complicated a little bit. I'm sure you're well aware, Larry Burns. Uh, Freeport, uh, Texas, which is down on the Gulf Coast, has one of the largest U.S. export plants that produces liquefied natural gas they had an explosion of fire there yesterday. They're going to be shut down for at least three weeks after that explosion. So there's that's 20% of the liquefied natural gas that's yeah. produced in this country that's going to be off-grid for at least three weeks. Yeah, and everyone who relies on natural gas for power because they turned it away from big, bad, evil coal, it, it, it even makes that more and more rare now. And, and that's what happens. I mean, we saw what happened when hackers went after the colonial pipeline. I think a lot, and, and I'm not going to say this is the good side of this, because there is no good side to what's happening in America. But something that is interesting is we are seeing more and more people become like many people in Houston. They understand where the energy comes from. They understand what it takes to get it out of the ground, refine it, develop it, transport it, and maintain the logistics along the whole line of that process. And more and more Americans are wondering, like, wow, so it's really just one pipeline that delivers all my gasoline up here to, to Virginia? Well, yeah, it is. And so when you see a bunch of college kids emerge from their parents' basement, try to pretend that they're part of some native group and fighting a pipeline, well, that really makes you susceptible to things like this. And it's the same thing. When you see environmental groups fighting you know, new refineries, new plants, whether it's in Texas or in any other part of the world, what they're really doing is they're taking away redundancy that would help you in the situation like we have now and when you do have an incident like you all have had down there like we've had now because it's a national problem then we find out we've been operating pretty close to the envelope because we've been uh relying we've been centralizing a whole lot of our energy and when that doesn't work anymore we're you know left in the cold you know i'm i'm, I'm not against other alternative sources for for energy i don't have a problem with wind turbines although they kill a lot of birds uh, I don't have a I don't have a problem uh, with uh, you know with solar. 
um, it, as long as we have the ability to store the energy that's produced, because on a week like this where it's sunny and 100 degrees, there's, there's, you, can, you can create, and windy, you can create quite a bit of energy. The problem is, here in Texas, and I guess all across the country, is there's a shortage of batteries available to store the energy. So all they can do is produce what they can produce when they're producing it. There's no way to store the excess because they can't get their hands on the batteries to do it. You're, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and I'm there with you, and I think most Americans are. I don't have a problem with wind. Well, I, I'll take that back. I do have a problem with wind and solar. But let's just say everything's on a fair playing field. I'd be happy with that because on a fair playing field, reliable and affordable winds out and wind and solar will never be there. But to your larger point, it isn't there when you need it. You know, it was uh, uh, just not quite two years ago when the your neighbors to the West in New Mexico, their governor spoke to the Democratic National Convention, stood in the sea of solar panels and said, this is the answer. This is where we're going in the future. This is what's happening. And at the very same time, the state's largest utility sent out a notice to all customers saying, please keep your thermostats at 78. Now, keep in mind, this was August, Democrat National Convention. Please keep your thermostats at 78 because it's a cloudy day. So if it can't deliver in the desert southwest in August, when can it deliver? And, you know, more and more Americans are learning that the electricity that people are using right now to listen to you, to listen to me, it was electricity that was created moments ago at a plant and probably from various types of fuels. And when, the, when we talk about balance to the grid, it's the producing the amount of electricity that is being used at that time. And when we talk about unbalancing the grid, to your point, when the solar overloads it during the day, because maybe people aren't using it as much during the day, and when they need it more at night, well, then it's really not there. It, it, it throws that balance way out of whack, and it makes us more susceptible to a whole lot of problems. And and every, you know, again, this is, I am not a brilliant science person. Any of the science professors at Sam Houston, who I took, will tell you, yeah, that D student really couldn't figure it out much in science, but I can figure this out. So I know Joe Biden could possibly figure it out, or somebody can tell him, and yet they're still going down this road. Yep, they are. And just to double down on it, last thing I'll have you comment on here, President Biden has pledged to have 500,000 public charging stations for electric vehicles all across the country by 2030. Now, I don't know how many vehicles that you can charge with all these stations, but the first thing that comes to mind is who gets the electric bill for your charge, your car being charged at some charging station across the country, number one. And number two, how is the federal government planning to replace the tax revenue when they no longer have internal combustion engines contributing to the gas tax? You know, wouldn't it be great if, uh, you know, I was uh, the Chevron of electric uh, charging stations and I got the federal government to foot the bill for building my infrastructure? Uh, I mean, great. it's so in demand, right? You would think the private sector would be there to do it. You know, I, my kids, uh, like every other kids is on youtube watching videos and like dad here's my youtuber he's going to go from austin to chicago in his tesla great and he bought his tesla at a time where he didn't have to pay for the charging it still took him a ginormous amount of time wall street journal this weekend another reporter said oh yeah i drove my electric vehicle it was pure hell uh, we just need more charging stations and so they believe that's the answer to it well look to your friends to the west look to california and where so many you know uh, new texans have come from 
and ask them, how was it there with the power grid when, when the most people were using their electric vehicles? We talk about when we need energy, the sun goes down at night, maybe the wind stops blowing, and everyone's got their car plugged in. How's that going to work on the electric grid? And exactly. we find out the answer to that. Not well. Not well yep. at all. No, not that. It, it, it's like nobody has thought of this, but and I got to think they probably have. But for whatever reason, like you said, they just don't care. All right, Larry, good to talk to you as always. Thanks, my friend. Take care. Hey, take care. You have a great day. You too. From Power of the Future, Larry Barron's joining us here on AM 950 KPRC. Jimmy Barrett's show, quick little break, final segment coming up. Stick around. AM 950 KPRC. I get it, you know, that, uh, that, that, that people are all enhanced with the idea of going electric. Did you see Buick announced today? Buick announced today that they're going to be all electric by 2030. Buick. Do people still buy Buicks? Do they, do they still buy Buicks? You know, when I think of Buick, I actually had a Buick Enclave once I really liked. But, you know, when you think Buick, you kind of think of Grandpa's car, right? So I got to think this is like this is like the equivalent of trying to be the cool kids. Oh yeah, we're going to be electric. Yeah, because you know, we're not selling any internal combustion engine cars now anyway, so we might as well be electric. Well, I said earlier, and I'm going to go ahead and play that for you now. I said earlier that Carl Rove did a very good piece. You know, he's he's the new whiteboard guy now. Um, so he sits there with his whiteboard and and he did a comparison uh, between buying and owning an electric car. And, and buying and owning an equivalent internal combustion engine car and the amount of money you save with the electric car, uh, well, <laughs> it's, it's not that much. Take a listen. Let's go through the numbers. Kelly Blue Book says the average cost of an electric vehicle is $56,400. And the average cost of, let's say, a compact SUV, sort of, remember, most EVs are small, so I've, I've chosen a compact SUV, 31500 That means her car cost on average $24,900 more than the car that an ordinary American might buy that was gasoline fueled. Now, it probably doesn't matter to her that difference because, remember, as a U.S. Senator, Senator Sabinow makes $174,000 a year, which is over three times the average 2022 salary of $53,490. So she, she probably doesn't care about that. But look at this. Fuel per cost per mile. This is from the Department of Energy, the U.S. Department of Energy. It says it costs roughly 45 cents, 45.08 cents per mile in an EV and 47.27 cents in a gas fuel car, which means it costs you on average, according to the Department of Energy, two cents, 2.19 cents more to have that gas car filled up as opposed to the electric car. 
Is that enough? Two cents for for Philip to save? Well, certainly not if money is the incentive. You know, I don't, I don't think if, if you're not buying an electric car to save money when you get right down to it. You know, it's it's about a lifestyle for these people. It's not about it's not about saving money. They they in fact they think it should cost you more. And but it's interesting how they all brag about it. You know, especially the ones that are in the Washington D.C. vacuum. Debbie Stabenow is a senator from Michigan, and Debbie Stabenow evidently finally got her much-awaited electric vehicle and drove it from Michigan down to Washington, D.C., and ho, 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 she's just so happy about that. Here's what she said in reaction from Kennedy on Fox. On the issue of uh, uh, gas prices, after waiting for a long time uh, to have enough chips in this country to finally get my electric vehicle, I got it uh, and drove it from Michigan to here uh, this last weekend and went by every single gas station. It didn't matter how high it was. Is Liberace still alive? <laughs> Sorry. I was laughing all the way to Washington, nibbling my expensive cake, cackling at the poor, starving in the food pantries. Tee-hee! What adult. These bubble-wrapped rubes should have absolutely no say in the lives of people they're totally removed from and insensitive to. Deb. The average electric vehicle costs 56,000 clams. The median salary of long-suffering Michiganders, you mock, 59K. You think every Tom, Dick, and Harbaugh can plunk down almost 60 Gs to scoff at the less fortunate like you do? This is why everyone hates Washington. These do-gooders think their every move is an act of benevolence, and the federal government needs to force the market to move in some moral direction. Oh, go huff gas, Deb. <laughs> I want, you know, I'm going to have to look up where Kennedy's from, because she did a pretty effective Michigan accent there, and she knew, she knew the th- Tom, Dick, and Harbaugh, as in Jim Harbaugh. She obviously knows something about the state of Michigan. So I wonder if she's from Michigan, or at least from you know that part of the country. Maybe. I don't know. But it shows you how to touch these folks are, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't have to stop it. That's all what they all say. Well, I have an electric vehicle. I didn't have to fill up at the pump. I don't really care. No, but your electric bill's going up like everybody else, and you got to plug in. And I don't think... Senator Stabenow made it all the way from Michigan to Washington, D.C. She certainly didn't do it on one charge because it's over 800 miles. So she didn't do it on one charge. Where did she stop to plug in? All right, she didn't mention anything about that. Hey, have a great evening. I'll be back tomorrow morning, bright and early, 5 to 8, with Sheriff Fryer on News Radio 740 KTRH, and then back here at 4 on AM 950 KPRC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.